The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Scott Farrell is calling the shots from the sideline. We're going to make fun of people. We're going to hurt people's feelings. It's Farrell on the bench. I believe in whipped cream with everything. All right, Farrell on the bench. The Giants expected to pursue uh, Yaziel Puig. I'd rather they went after Puig than Aaron Judge. What about you, Carver High? The funny part was when he brought up the Aaron Judge to the Giants thing was I'm sure that you were having flashbacks about Barry Bonds leaving the Pirates and going to the Giants. I'm sure that was the first thought in your mind when he said Judge to the Giants. You know, I wanted to, like, ask him about a couple other things, right? Like, um, you know, and he could have gone on and on if I would have brought up stories like Reggie Jackson fighting with Billy Martin in the dugout, right? And then George Brett running out of the dugout at the umpires at Yankee Stadium, right? Those are like the kinds of things that if you ask me, I mean, I guess like in some level we've seen like, I guess we've seen some meltdowns. Remember we saw, didn't we see Bonds fight with Jeff Kent? Remember that one? And then um, we've seen Bryce Harper, right? Have to be restrained (laughs) from attacking an umpire, right? Haven't we seen that? So I guess the same thing, but they have happened, but they, they haven't happened like, uh, you know, back in the day, like I will never forget George Brett's face running out of that dugout. It, it, that was the greatest. And and what was great about it was not only did he lose his mind, but he had like a gigantic, like 20 pound chaw in his mouth. Do you remember the size of that? What he had that he was just rocking in his mouth when he played like and then i covered him right i covered the royals and i uh, he was my favorite player the guy i swear to god i never once ever saw him play ever where he didn't get a hit i don't ever remember i swear to god i never once saw the guy play and go over four i don't ever remember it ever not once and i was there Every night. Do you know what I had to do? I had to run. I ran the center field camera, for Christ's sakes, at 81 Royals home games. And they had, like, giant, literally the size of my head, size moss flying around my head out in the outfield. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. 
we can laugh, man. We we gonna learn, and most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is gonna be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Goodbye, Ruby Tuesday. Who can hang a name on you? You know, that's the best part of the show is when they uh, play old Rolling Stones at like some point in the show. And then at the end of the show, at the very end of the show, when Marenzi's on there and I'm talking to him and he's getting ready to do Sports Rage. And I think the last thing I hear is, um, you know, the Rolling Stones start me up or something going out. Right. And another thing, uh, I'm watching this champ, this Australian champ, Maloney. I'm not talking about Don Maloney. Some uh, fighter, the Bantamweight champion of the world, 21-0, never lost. And I'm watching him in the 10th round, and this this hack of America's beating his ass. Like, he's already knocked him down. Like, he's pummeling this dude. And the champ's face is gushing blood out of humanity. So I had all kinds of uh, things happen to me today in terms of uh, people in like the media, people bringing things up to me. I was playing basketball this morning at 7 a.m. One of the guys, the first thing he said to me was, my cousin is Michael Kay. And I said, oh, I'm friends with him. He's a great guy. Uh, I said, I like him a lot. I've known him uh, for a long time. Like, it's not like we're buddies or anything, right? But I uh, certainly, I worked at ESPN at one point or another, uh, didn't I? Carver High did uh, 7 to Midnight on that uh, ESPN 1050 when it first came out, when it was a brand new station, right? And I think uh, we had the, and Don LeGrec had, uh was doing updates with me, and, and we had the number one show on that uh, station, bar none. Boom, that was that. And uh, I knew him at that point, right? And then he's always been huge with the Yankees. This other guy that I worked with, um, Dino Costa, I had worked with him at uh, at Sirius XM when I was with Howard Stern and the Howard 101. I was doing the show, and then Dino came along there. And then some guy said to me, he goes, I used to be uh, Dino's boss. And I was sitting there. I'm like, what is happening here? <laughs> I'm like, I'm at, it's 7 in the morning. And I'm wondering if I have gas and I'm going to like, play basketball and if I needed to drop a yam before I went to the court or if I should have just held on a little longer, sweet Mary. And and this guy says to me, he goes, yeah, I'm Michael K's cousin. And another guy, like he's 10 feet away. The other guy goes, yeah, I used to be Dino's boss. And at, uh, do you remember when he did like a show at one point or another, he did this show in like uh hack and sack or something. Do you remember that one? Uh, Carver high. And we were doing the show at CBS and I was like, he's doing yeah, a show. I remember. So this guy was his boss. It lasted like, about three weeks. Right. So I said to the guy, I go, do you know, uh, I, I said, uh, uh, some of the other people on that station, I think Joe Piscopo did a show there. Right. And then, uh, and then later in the day, uh, my buddy reaches out to me and he says, Craig Carton is, uh, getting out of jail. And I was like, and I'm friends with Craig. I've known, uh, Craig for like what, 25 years, something like that. And then I would see him at the uh, radio station, right? Late, late at night, I was doing the show and he would, he did mornings with uh, Boomer. I'm friends with all those guys. And then, um, 
I, I would see him in the studio late at night, and I hadn't seen him in a long time. I'd be like, ah, what's up, dude? How's it going? Meanwhile, you know, I always got along great with the guy. I, I always thought he was cool. And uh, he had, I know he had a big family and everything like that. I never knew. Any, oh, the champ is just getting knocked out. Fight over. There goes your belt, bro. I mean, that's the second time he knocked him out. He's giving him the standing A count. This guy, he thinks he's in Brisbane. <laughs> he has no idea where he is. His face is just gushing blood. Finish him off, Franco! Finish him, Johnny! Stella! Throw hands. I mean, what are you waiting for? You got him. Finish him off, dude. Do it. Throw hands. What are you waiting for? You're going to be the champ in about a minute. Knock his ass out, bro. Anyway, where was I? So uh, I had no idea about any of this stuff, right? Like, swear to God, on my mother's grave, I never knew anything about anything. I just didn't get involved in anything. I am. I have zero involvement or knowledge of anything that ever happened, right? I just knew the guy forever, and um, I, but I never saw him. What would I see him, uh, Carver? I like once a year. I'd see him about once a year. Yeah, one, once a year you would see him. That's for sure because with the hours that you were working, you know, sometimes he would come in to get something out of his office. There were some times where, uh, you know, if he had something going on at night, he would come to his office, you know, because he would like to get there at three, four in the morning for his show. Some whiskey. Uh, he'd go. He'd go in there and pick something up from the office at night, or he'd get be going in real early. Uh, to catch a couple Z's in his office before his show at 6 a.m. That's that's when you would see him. Um, when I first started there, I I worked on his show with him a little bit. Uh, when I first started working at the fan, so uh, Craig, you always great. It was great. No, when I when I interned at the fan was probably the second or third year that Boomer and Car- uh, Boomer and Carton was on. So like '09, right around that area. And he was great to me. He was always good to the interns. Um, gave me Yankee tickets a couple of times. Um, always a good dude to me. So I didn't know like, uh, all the things that happened, but I know that, um, you know, uh, he got out or whatever. I knew the guy that he actually, uh, got in trouble with. Right. I knew the other guy, uh, the other guy lives out by me. He's this guy's like, uh, filthy rich. Like he owned all those strip clubs. Right. And, uh, I got to tell you, like, I, so, you know, I like smoking hot women, right? Let's just get down to the gist of it here. <laughs> like his wife would work out at the club. She had it going on. And some of these uh, chicks out here, you know where I live, cover high, just like no different than strong on. You might go to the gym. It, you might not even get a workout in. There's so much action out there. It's like play by play. And so <laughs> I was, I remember my buddy, did I, did I read you what my buddy wrote me? He's like, why don't you ask that dude if he's getting out? <laughs> And I was like, I said, uh, I don't know. He goes, I guarantee you they, they didn't let him out today. These are the things I got bombarded with this stuff today. Like I had like some kind of, you know, contact with him or knowledge or any of this other stuff. I just knew I was friendly with him for all the years in, in radio. Like no different than everyone I know now. Like I'm cool with everybody at SportsGrid. I was cool with everybody at, at CBS. I was cool with everybody at Sirius. Uh, I was cool with everybody at ESPN. Like I knew Kay and and Don LaGreca. You, Don was on this show. He told you how we used to roll and do the show. And then, you know, at some point or another, Carver High Mafia came into uh, my life. And then they've been working on the show forever. Had a lot of people work on the show that ended up successful in life. And uh, I think at one time he was doing mornings. Right? Am I wrong with um, 
Was he not doing it with Sid and, and Scott and these guys over at, at WNEW? Was he not doing that? That is, that is correct. And they gave me that job because none of them wanted to work with me, which I can understand. Like, what could be worse than working with me at five in the morning, honestly, in life? Like, my wife and family hates me at five in the morning with my voice. Or, like, if my family's in bed or sleeping and I'm on the phone ever anywhere within, like, anywhere within the boundaries of the Ferrella Palatial, if I'm home and on the phone yelling and talking and just even talking, I can wake up, like, people that are dead already. Right. So um, they don't like me. People in the morning don't like me. I did morning drive. They used to have to yank me out of the bathroom. I'd be in there like (laughs) bad things were happening. (laughs) There was bad things happening. I remember in breaks, I used to pass out. I'd have like a six minute break and I'd sleep for five minutes and 45 seconds. And the guy would come shake me and drag me into the microphone to do the show. But I remember when those guys were all working there and they, uh, they, you know, they offered, they said, we want to put Pharrell in the morning time. There are all those guys. I brought them whiskey uh, to the uh, station. I brought them all a bottle of Johnny Walker Black. And then none of them wanted to drink it. So uh, when they didn't want it, like the job or the whiskey, I took the job and I drank the whiskey in front of all of them. I just took the whiskey. Carver, <laughs> you would have been really proud of me. I was like, you don't want this bottle of Johnny Black? I went, Crack. watch this. Hello. Hello. I'll do it. I'll do morning drive against Howard in New York. Good morning. I used to have this chick that showered across the way. Like that. Remember uh, LO Cool J and the girl in the way? Remember? <laughs> on the way or whatever it was. Uh, anyway, so this chick in the way, she was right across the, literally right across the uh, street, like right across the alley, and she was in a, an apartment, and she would shower and watch me watching her, literally like perving out. I'd be doing the morning show, waving at her, and she knew I was on the radio. She knew it was a radio station. She saw me doing morning drive, sitting there behind the microphone, jumping up and down, screaming and watching her, and she was a smoke show hottie. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. So uh, the Lakers, uh, Avery Bradley, we told you he's he's out. So they're talking about J.R. Smith getting. That's who they're going to get. Yeah, they're going to bring Jr. in the mix. Get Jr. in I, there. That's Zan. Braun, that's think? Braun right there. That's all Braun. Listen, I mean, 
at, at the end of the day, he his game is ass. It really is. Is it not? Like Jason you can trust. You can't trust that guy. You remember at the end of the game in the finals when the guy didn't know how much time was left? <laughs> Did he not look at him like you're an idiot? What's wrong with you, bro? You don't even know how much time's left on the clock in a in an NBA finals game? What are you thinking about? Prostitutes? I don't get it. Like what are you Wait a minute, just stop. I have to stop what I'm doing. This guy Maloney actually thinks that he like won that fight? Are you kidding? Is this a decision? Did they not stop that fight and and end that fight in the like eleventh or twelfth round? Was I not just watching this guy Franco beat the pus out of this guy Maloney, the champ? He lost his belt tonight. As sure as I'm sitting here, they actually went to a decision. I thought he had already stopped the fight. I thought the ref had stopped the fight. I think what happened is is the volume's off, right? So the bell must have rung, right? So he was saved by the bell, and then it went to a decision, and they gave Joshua uh, Franco a unanimous decision. So he's 17-1-2, eight knockouts, the new WBA junior bantamweight champ of the world as Maloney loses his belt on Tuesday night on ESPN. Like, what could be more embarrassing than, like, it all begins to crumble for you on a top-ranked card at the MGM in, in, like, the COVID, where, like, is he not supposed to go in, you're the champ, and you've never lost a fight ever. You're 21-0, and you go in and bomb on ESPN on a Tuesday night. You know what, bro? Go back to Australia, and you know what I would do? I'd, uh, they got a big ice problem down there. Maybe he could score some ice. He's going to need it. <laughs> After his career took it on the chin tonight, the fighter, I heard him before the fight say, I'm just trying to introduce myself to a whole new wave of fans in America. <laughs> As he got beat on a Tuesday night by some guy that no one's ever heard of, my boy Josh Franco, Johnny Franco's nephew. I'm just kidding. I just wanted to throw that in there, John Franco. Carver, I never liked him either. What did you think today of the uh, Shea Cotton interview on the illustrious Coast to Coast on Sports Grid? Did you uh, like that interview with Shea Cotton, Carver? I did. I didn't know a lot about Shea before we got our hands on the uh, the film a couple days ago. Did not know a lot about him, but it was very interesting. And I think that the biggest thing for me was the point, you know, where. Um, you know, if, if things that happened with him happened 20 years later or vice versa, you know, things like that, it's a much different time now than it was then when, when those things happened to him. Right. Nobody had like, um, I remember like when I, back then, when I went to see him play, uh, at modern day in LA, right. I, I remember I had one of those big giant, um, Miami vice cocaine cell phones. <laughs> remember that? You remember? Do you remember the? <laughs> oh, I, I I remember those. And then you put the battery on the back of it, and then it was beige, and you rolled around with it in your car. And if you had a Corvette, you actually looked cool. But if you were in like a, if you were in like a Dodge, something or another, like a K car, like I was in college or or out of college, like what year was it? Ninety five. I was already working in L A. Whatever. So I'm tripping there for a second. But think about it. Like in college, I drove a Mercury Marquis station wagon. Then I had a special K car, which was like the Chrysler K car. And then if you had a a Don Johnson like Corvette or like a convertible, then you look cool with that cell phone. If you had that cell phone in like a a Mercury Marquis station wagon, you were basically 
uh, complete loser, right? You had nothing going on. But I will say that the marquee station wagon was great because we used to put like kegs in it, right? So I would be the guy that would drive to the to, uh, to the liquor store at the fraternity in college, and I would pick up the kegs, and then they would roll around in the back of my uh, station wagon and smash into the plastic and and just create these gigantic gashes in the in the back of the uh, station wagon. But honestly, um, think about it uh, when he played. I used to go watch this guy play, right? And he literally would drop between, and I kid you not, between 30 and 50 every single time the guy played. He dropped 30 to 50 points. I mean, the bigger the game, the bigger he went off. The bigger the moment, if it was the state finals, the bigger the guy would hang on the rim with his, with his uh, you know, satchel page and your chin. Like, honestly, the guy played, he literally jumped out of the gym. So, like, when he dunked, he literally, when he dunked, his head was above the rim. Like, he literally jumped so high that his chin was above the rim. And he could do it from standing under the basket. He could legitimately jump up straight up in the air, and his chin would be above the rim. And he would hang on the rim and dunk. And, I mean, when he was in... AAU and, and grade school, it was, you know, you saw the footage of him. If you watch Manchild, you'll see the footage of him in AAU and in, uh, you know, junior high and stuff like that. When he was like 15 and he was playing with 18 year olds and 20 year olds. And then when he was 17, he was playing with 23, 25 year olds. Uh, when he was in high school, he was the best player in America. Forget about California. He was the best player in America. And um, I mean to tell you, he took on everyone. You remember he was talking about Lamar Odom, Kevin Garnett. It didn't matter who it was. All these guys, every great player. Did you see, if you watch that movie, you'll see Steven Jackson talking about him. Like um, Steven Jackson has been leading all these Black Lives Matter protests and, and standing up for George Floyd. That's Steven Jackson. So he talked about that in L.A., in, in basketball in the rhythm of the, the history of the sport in Los Angeles, in Lipstick City, in Cali, there's never been a better player than Shea Cotton. Never. Like, I mean, nobody. And they talk about all these other players. Like, Baron Davis was really good. I get it. He made the NBA, played at UCLA, all this other stuff. He was nowhere. He even was on the movie. He was nowhere near as good as Shea Cotton. He was good. I won't deny it. I mean, he went to UCLA. He got a ride. He made the NBA. Fair enough. That's great. And everything else. Like, he couldn't stop Shea Cotton any more than I could. Like, this guy, he dunked on every guy that's, like, made it to the NBA. It didn't matter who it was. And even in this show, Carver High, they talk about him dunking on everyone. Magic Johnson, all of them. He took everyone out. He annihilated everybody. There were guys in the league. In the league that couldn't stop this kid. He was a high school kid and then a college kid, right? When he was at LBC, when he was at Long Beach, he could dunk on any player basically in the NBA. He could do whatever he wanted. That's how good he was. And then they literally made him out to be stupid. And they, uh, you know, a bunch of corrupt people got involved and, and basically kept him out of college. And, and eventually, like, like, a couple of years later, he ended up at Alabama, right? And played one year there and then went pro or whatever. And then never got drafted. It was the most surreal thing ever. 
And he said that there were multiple teams calling him about drafting him, you know, and that's why he decided to go into the draft. He could have kept playing another year, right? But he went in and uh, no one drafted him. And then he ended up playing pro in uh, all over the world, literally all over the world, in Serbia, in Japan, and you, you name it. He played everywhere. And, uh, you know, the Middle East, he played, he played everywhere. Like literally every, he played in uh, basketball leagues, underground leagues in America, you name it, on and on and on and on. But he never, uh, you know, and in the NBA, did you know that when he tried out for, I think he tried out for the Magic or something, Carver, did you hear the story? Like what happened was in this movie, they show the story of uh, this guy, McCray, one of his teammates, they're trying out, literally working out with the Magic, whatever, trying out for the team. And the guy dropped dead, like right on the court, right? So the guy drops dead. And then that that was it. They canceled the workout. They canceled the tryouts. They canceled the like the you know uh, preseason for them. Whatever. It was like some crazy story about this guy McCray dropping dead. And he said that uh, Shea Cotton said he dropped dead like right in front of him. They were running sprints. They were running suicides at the end of practice, and the guy dropped dead. And he's he was six ten, two hundred eighty pounds. He said he landed like a thud. He said all he heard was a bouncing thud, like. <laughs> Is this guy was bouncing off the hardwood dead. They never revived him. And they tell the story. And then he never made it in the NBA. I can't even believe. I swear to God, I cannot believe that that guy did not make it into the NBA. Uh, I just have never been able to figure that out. It was so corrupt, so dirty, so sleazy. Uh, the NCAA, test scores, SAT, ACT. You know, taking money from Adidas, whatever. He's been accused of everything. He was in Sports Illustrated when he was 15 years old. He was uh, long before LeBron, long before any of them. Uh, Zion, all these other guys, Kobe. He was better than all of them. The big ticket. Long before any of that, this guy was better than all of them. Better than all of them. And he never made it. And that's crazy, right? So what happens? A guy doesn't make it in the NBA, but he ends up in life like uh, helping kids like 10,000 fold what he would have ever done. Like, you know, just playing in the league, making a ton of money and signing autographs and taking pictures with little kids and maybe, maybe chipping in one day in a charity event. But what he's done with his life, just dedicating his life to kids, coaching, training, uh, motivational speaking, speaking to schools, speaking to kids, uh, reaching kids, kids that are uh, in dire straits. What he's done for kids, thousands of them everywhere, is one of the most remarkable stories I've ever seen. It's Pharrell on a bench. All right, Pharrell on a bench with Carver High. So last year, the uh, teams that would have made it, because there's only 10 teams that will make the playoffs, the Dodgers, Phillies, Cubs, Brewers, and Braves would have made it, right? And then the uh, Astros, the cheating Astros, the Twins, Yankees, Rays, and Texas Rangers would have actually made the uh, wild card. So the wild cards would have been Tampa and Texas, Milwaukee and Atlanta. They're going to keep it at uh, 10 teams in the playoffs. Do you like that, Carver High, keeping it at 10, or did you want 16? Did you want expanded well, playoffs, or what did, what did you want? I mean, with what they're going to do here, only playing 60 games, the dopey extra innings with the second uh, guy on second base and all these other things that they're doing for what's going to be a non-normal year, 
I, I probably would have just put the cherry on top and put like every team in the playoffs, you know, like they were talking about, you know, the eight in each team, each league. Uh, you you should have just went the whole way with it <laughs> at this point. I mean, you're already having a season where um, it's not really it's not a full season. It's not even a half a season. You might as well have just went the whole way. So having the same amount of playoff teams you would normally have for 162 games when you're only playing 60, um, it's going to make all this is going to be some sprint, man. All 60 games, all these series are going to be enormous for these teams. It's going to be big. But I was just watching. Uh, so I, I saw it today after uh, Marenzi was on uh, Coast to Coast, which he does every day, and he does game time decisions at 6 East. He's coming up after this show. He's coming up on this show on Pharrell and Avenge at the end of the show tonight before he goes on Sports Rage overnight, Sports Grid Radio overnight, taking over the world. Wetzel, opposite picks, 5 a.m. Check him out. Bagels and bad beats. So uh, he was like freaking out, wasn't he? Like uh, your boy Morenci just hates what they've done to baseball. Like the, yeah, the extra he's, hitting he's, rules. He, he's, he's a purist. He's, he's really upset about it. And we'll ask him about it. But he's like, it, baseball's phony now. It's a joke. Um, he's like, what's next? You know, uh, a home run's going to be four runs. <laughs> he's like, you know, uh, he he literally, I mean, I'd have to pull all the tweets that he said, but he went on a tirade about uh, the new uh, baseball rules and whatever else, a uh, 60-game season. I kind of like the um, just the thought I gave earlier that it, it's like having spring training all over again. To me, they played 30 games or whatever in the spring, right? Now they're going to play 60, and there's no room for error, so – have at it. Tom Izzo still learning after his past opposition to kneeling during the anthem. I saw this story uh, tonight. I was just, uh, he, he did this radio interview uh, on the ticket in Detroit. And he said, listen, I learned lessons. And this is after he had, um, he, he was opposed to kneeling back in the day, like what, four years ago or whatever. I mean, just whenever he's been opposed to it. He said, I learned lessons too, and I'm still learning at this age. I talked to all those people to try to get a good feel. And what I realized is I wasn't real happy with Colin Kaepernick uh, thing when it happened. I guess like a lot of people, I looked at it as, what are you doing here? The flag, all this stuff. And yet, as I look back on it now, how ignorant am I? Because that was a peaceful protest. Izzo said Kaepernick's protest uh, originally reminded him of people burning flags and protests in the 60s. I went and looked up some pictures that I showed my players. There were a lot of white people, and they weren't kneeling at the flag. They were burning it, and that really hit home for me. I said, I am into all the peaceful protests. I'm not into burning, but I'm also trying to figure out how many times you have to try to get something done. And yet, if there's a silver lining in this some way, I've never seen so many white people, black people, Hispanics marching together in peaceful protests. To me, that is progress, and I hope – I don't hope uh, will continue. It has to continue. Uh, another factor for Izzo changing his tune on Kaepernick was the killing of George Floyd. When I saw uh, what you know, I saw with George Floyd, it sickened me. I said it, and and it did. It was real, and it was disappointing. It was disgusting. None of us know all the things that happened, but a, a human life is a human life, and we're treating it like it's nothing. And um, the team's players did wear warm-up shirts for some games that read, we talk, we listen, on the front. And it's not about me, it's about us on the back. And he said, uh, Izzo had his players stand at the anthem with their hands over their hearts. He got all, like, old school with them, but now he's, like, changing his tune. 
Uh, you know, it reminds me of uh, Tom Coughlin. Do you remember when uh, Carver High, Tom Coughlin was this like military coach and he had like the personality of a rock. And literally at one point he was going to get fired, right, by the by the Giants. And uh, the players hated him. They didn't want to play for him. And basically, in not so many words, didn't like Michael Strahan go to him and, and say like, bro, listen, here's the deal. Um, I'm the captain. I'm just going to say it. You need to change or you're going to lose this room. Like you have got to change. You got to quit being a D and you got to be cool. And you have to start caring about uh, these players and about their uh, everyday lives as human beings. You have to mellow out. You have to be cooler about people and with people. Do you remember that? Do you, do you remember that? And then what did he do? He, he literally transformed himself. Like he became like, did he not become like grandpa, like Coughlin? He was like the nicest guy ever. And he started caring about his players and he started like having fun, started listening to him, started high-fiving him, started cheering for him started supporting them in everything and saying things. If people asked him stupid questions in media press conferences, he'd light them up. He defended his players till no end. And then he won two Super Bowls. Yeah, 100%. This, that is actually right around the time when Tiki retired uh, because that was one of the things, you know, when Tiki left, it was like, you know, nobody likes playing for Coughlin. Tiki's retiring early because of it. All those things started happening, and Strahan was one of the guys that kind of Took Tom to the side. Eli was still a very young player in the league at that time. Um, but then they turned it around, and he became, uh, you know, not so much a player's coach, but like you said, he he loosened the reins a little bit, and that allowed them to then finally uh, come together as a unit and pull off, uh, you know, the biggest upset in Super Bowl history. As I know everybody likes to say the Jets, Super Bowl three, but when you beat the undefeated Patriots like the Giants did out in Arizona. Right. That's up there as well, right? But do you, do you think like Izzo, like guys like Izzo, because you know how they say uh, a leopard well, Izzo's doesn't not, change it, it, Izzo's not changed. Izzo's not changing nothing right now. Let, let's be so you fair. Don't think now, yeah, yeah. Now I get you with Coughlin. A um, little bit of a different situation, and here's right. why this is different. Tom, uh, Izzo has been at Michigan State, uh, you know, since you know before I was born. All right, the guy has been there uh, for decades. He has been at Michigan State, and. Um, there's a chance that he can be there for decades more if he wants to, for as long as he wants to coach. You know, guys like Izzo and Shashevsky and, and Roy Williams and these guys, these guys have these jobs until they don't want to have them anymore. They're institutions at these uh, universities. And Izzo, um, you know, he could say he's going to change it. I, and for that, for something like that, sure, I absolutely hope that he does. But um, you got you to gotta see it to believe it because these guys have been doing things one way for decades, and it's hard to make them change things up. Coughlin could have lost his job very easily, and he was only with the Giants for a couple of years when that happened, so a little different. Would you rather have Jamal Crawford popping Jays from downtown all over the ring, or would you rather have J.R. Smith? I, I would. I would personally probably— Rather have Jamal Crawford, obviously, but I'm telling you, even despite that thing that everybody remembers from that series against the Warriors a couple of years ago, the reason why this guy would get the call before Crawford is LeBron likes guys that he has, you know, who's familiar with. He likes having those guys on the court, even though he had that spot with Jr. He's he's one with Jr. He know he can he knows he can handle Jr. He knows he can tell Jr. what to do. LeBron likes having guys that he can control. 
though, in a situation like this comes up where you got to fill a slot, LeBron's going to go to one of his guys that he has, uh, you know, had in the past and won with. You see it all the time with LeBron. He constantly brings in guys that he's been with before and that he trusts. Right. Do you think, uh, remember today on uh, Coast to Coast, we talked about Boogie Cousins. Uh, would you want him or are you washed on him? I- I'm not washed on him. I, I think what Boogie Cousins needs is he needs the appropriate amount of time to heal his injuries, rehab, and become the player that he was in the past. I think that last year he rushed back too quickly with the Warriors. Uh, even early, even around the All-Star break, when he came back after the first injury right. and he started playing, he played for two months, and then remember he got hurt, what was in the first round of the playoffs, or right before the playoffs, and then he rushed back again to get back by the NBA Finals or whatever it was. So he's been rushing back from these injuries, and maybe what he needs is time. Like, here's another situation. He's got this ACL. Why are we rushing back to play in this Orlando thing for somebody? Why not just sit it out and wait till December when they're starting fresh? Give yourself a full pl- calendar year plus before you get back on the court and let yourself heal for the first time in three years. Let yourself heal. Well, if he can go, uh, I got no problem with him balling. I mean, like I said, ballers want a ball. He's a baller. That guy can walk and play better than most guys can run and play. Like he's one of those guys that can literally walk through the offense and still score from anywhere. Did you see this story about Ben Roethlisberger tonight? We got to do this on coast to coast tomorrow. Uh, This is unbelievable. I don't know if you saw it. He said, it's not always easy. Uh, He was doing an interview with Tunch Ilk and in Pittsburgh, people don't realize all the time that us athletes were human. We sin like everyone else. I'm no different. We make mistakes. We get addicted to things. We sin. We're human. I think sometimes we put on, uh, we get put on this pedestal where we can't make mistakes. I've fallen as short as anybody. I've been addicted to alcohol. I've been addicted to pornography, which makes me then not the best husband, not the best father, not the best Christian I can be. But you have to dedicate yourself and understand that you can get out of it because of the grace of God and him saying, listen, you're good enough for me the way you are. You don't have to be perfect. Um, So he said this event, Man Up Pittsburgh, hosted by uh, this Urban Impact in connection with Mike Tomlin. So uh, this 90-minute conference it's held on uh, Father's Day this year, encouraged to teaches men to be godly leaders for their families, raises awareness of the devastating impact of fatherlessness uh, amongst today's youth. And I just couldn't even believe it. Here's what he said. I didn't even know all this stuff. Now more than ever, it's cool to be Christian, especially pro athletes. One of the things I want to tell guys and tell people out there, I can be a really good athlete and a Christian. It's not one or the other. I can do both. I want it to be known to all young men out there. It's cool to be Christian and be an athlete. Go ahead and be the best athlete you can be and see if you can be a better Christian. And that's what I'm trying to do now. I'm trying to be a better Christian than I am an athlete and football player. I push myself every day to do that. And it starts here. It's not always easy. Uh, I didn't know um, about his faith. I never really knew. Remember, he was accused of sexual assault twice, suspended for uh, conduct policy in 2010. Uh, And then he talked about his selfishness, that he was crazy. And then he said he was glad that he had elbow injury so he could get uh, closer to God. I'm thankful for the injury. During the walk that I'm in now, I don't know that I would have been able to handle it a few years ago, five, six, seven, ten years. I know that my faith wouldn't have been as strong. 
now that I know what it's about, it's easy to say, hey, God, this is in your hands. I'm going to train my ass off to get back out there and whatever you have for me, I'm ready. I mean, I almost fell over <laughs> when I read this this interview he did about, I He's mean, this found guy. God. Is, I mean, found God. You. Born again. You think, listen, is that going to help the FanDuel over on <laughs> win total? Hey, that might have to be the graphic that we put up when you talk about it tomorrow on Coast to Coast. Do you think God is going to help? Steeler over under from FanDuel, yeah. Do you think God is a, a Steeler fan? So that when I'm at my season tickets for the Steelers sitting in my seats, that I could actually be in the presence of God at the games? He's he's going to see Ben Roethlisberger play on Sundays in Pittsburgh. Do you think, like, Carver, I was like, I'm not saying nothing about God. I got, like... <laughs> I got good seats at the church. I'm not saying nothing. I'm on a roll lately. I've been hitting golfing bets. I've been hitting Premier League bets. I've been hitting NASCAR bets. Pharrell on a bench. Morenzi was just playing this song in his uh, kitchen uh, on his guitar. Uh, Hey, Morenzi, what's up, dude? Always good, Scotty. Always good. Little old school uh, Scorpions. You know, Scorpion's been around since, like, the early 70s, man. Those guys can shred. Great guitarists. Uh, they've always had great guitars. Uli Roth in the early days. And then uh, I think Matthias Schneider or whatever his name uh, is. Great guitarist, though. Rudy Schenker. Uh, great band, Scorpions. Yeah, so uh, I was. I loved your tweets today. I, I want to just real quickly, just a few of them. Uh, the, they brought us the hockey shootout to baseball. Uh, now they're going to bunt a guy to third, then uh, score the run, then the other team will do the same thing. It'll go on and on. It's beyond stupid. It's clear today's owners only care about the uh, – they don't care about the sport. It's a company. Uh, what's next? You get two runs for a second deck home run, three runs for a triple deck, hit the ball out of park, four runs. Holy Pharrell, man. Um, I hate it. Could live with the DH in the NL. It is what it is. But the pitcher must face three batters now. Um, uh, I just thought today was great uh, that you just were going off on all these cheesy rules for baseball. Yeah, you know what? And I guess they're going to have to change the words to uh, take me out to the ball game uh, because it's no longer one, two, three strikes you're out at the old ball game. Because a rule people haven't talked about it, Scotty. Now, now a pitcher has to record five strikes, no longer three. <laughs> They've added five uh, as well. But the only plus side, Scotty, is you're allowed to smoke weed and drink beer. It's a softball league now anyways. So now you're allowed to blaze in the outfield. You can bring like a six-pack with you to second base. That's, you know, that's the plus side of this I like. You know, I think that uh, what should be very smart is, is the vaporizer. If you put in the flower in the bottom of the, like, Pax vaporizer, and then you're out in the outfield, you could actually blaze a gigantic toke that, A, there's no smoke. So people would be like, what's he playing, the flute? And you'd be out there banging a gigantic vapo hit. And uh, I think everybody, the world would be a better place. Don't forget to catch up with uh, Sports Rage coming up here at midnight. All right, Marenzi, have a killer show. I'll see you tomorrow on Coast to Coast. Uh, take care of the overnights for me, brother man. Let's rock. All right, good night, everybody. For Al Carver High, peace.